Welcome to Stories of Hope, brought to you by our friends at Hope 150. Stories of Hope features testimonies from around our country of the many ways God has given beauty for ashes and peace for despair. Tell us your story. Stories of Hope at hope150.ca. Welcome once again to the program, and today we are featuring the story of one of our local surgeons here in Calgary, Dr. Jeff Way. Welcome to The Light. Thank you for having me. So I'm interested in your story because you are in a profession that would normally demand all of your time and all of your energies. And I would imagine that, you know, being in surgery and the amount of stress that you have to deal with, that you'd probably look for opportunities to get away, to have some fun in the sun getaways and kind of forget about medicine, etc. But your course in life, uh, Dr. Jeff, has has not really gone that way. You have a real concern for using your talents in ministry. Why don't you tell us your story? Absolutely. I was uh, born and raised in Newfoundland and uh, born to a Christian, raised in a Christian home. One of my heroes growing up was a guy by the name of Dr. Sir Wilfred Grenfell, who was from Britain originally and uh, did medical missions on the coast of, northern coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. And all growing up, people always thought I was going to be the next Sir Wilfred Grenfell. My whole life, I was going to be a doctor. Since the time I was five years old, I knew I was going to be a doctor. The first, I can remember going to um, junior high school, and the very, they had a library, and the very first book I took out of the library was going to be, was, So You Want to Be a Doctor. <laughs> and I still remember that. And this has been my passion my whole life. And so I have had a calling to the mission field. It's been delayed. My life took another, another course. I finally finished my master's in Christian studies last year. But I've been involved with Samaritan's Purse and other relief organizations over the years, going to different parts of the world for disasters. And uh, I was called to go to Mosul, Iraq, and there was no doubt I was called. Okay, so that's very interesting. So instead of, uh, I'm not saying that you never take vacations, but I mean, this is kind of like a, a working vacation that had a very specific purpose because a lot of people who go on short-term missions are not literally saving lives. We're sharing the gospel, we're doing relief efforts, uh, we're helping, but you literally were on the ground helping people to live. What did you see when you were in Mosul? Uh, What kind of injuries were you healing? So Samaritan's Purse set up the emergency field hospital just on the eastern outskirts of Mosul. Every day we had victims of war. These people were injured by sniper fire, small arms fire, drone attacks, landmines, bombs, the result of war. And every one of them came in with horrific, life-threatening, mortal injuries. And these were a full range of injuries from head, neck, chest, abdomen, extremity injuries. And every one of them would have succumbed to their injuries had Samaritan's Purse not had their field hospital there and the volunteer staff that were there to help these people. How equipped was that field hospital? The field hospital is great. Did we have everything we had here? No, we did not. We had to make do with a lot of things, and I, I have lots of interesting stories about things that we had to make do with and uh, to make things work. And also we had to make many very tough ethical decisions uh, of things that people that we could have done things to here and, and treat it, but with the mass casualty situations and lack of resources and things we just did not have, we were unable to do, and we had to make tough decisions. Mm-hmm. And tough decisions made in love, and it's very difficult. When you were there operating in Mosul, did you ever see anything that made you feel like you're, like the, the effort is losing, that God is not fully equipping you, that somehow things were looking hopeless? Did you ever go through that there? You know, many people did. Uh, personally, I, I did not. Uh, you know, 
I can stand in God. As I said, this, this is the land of Jonah. And God doesn't need us there. God can do all this with or without us. But he calls us there. It's as much about us as it is about the people we're helping. And there's a huge message and, and learning experience that we get about ourselves and what we have. And we can, we can see all this evil that's taking place in the world, but we, yet we know that we can make a difference. And we're only making a difference one person at a time. We're not helping everybody, but we are helping this person now. And God is equipping us to do that, whether it be physically or spiritually. And there are lots of great stories out of this, of, of this people coming to know Christ and the love of God uh, being shown to the people of that area and, and them looking at us and going, wow, you know, thanks for coming to help us. We, we've been told that you guys are, we, we've been learned so much bad things about you and yet here you are helping us. And they were amazed. Wow. So let me ask you, since you didn't struggle with hopelessness, what is it about the character of God? What is it that you've learned about God? What is it that you know from the Bible that helps you to stand on such a firm foundation of, of hope and truth? God, God is there for us. And, you know, there's lots of examples in the Bible of guys who just haven't done so well. Samson didn't do so well, and God equipped him. You know, David didn't do great. God equipped him. Paul struggled with doing what he didn't want to do and knowing what he should have done and not doing it. And, and there's lots of examples like that. And we all go through that in our, in our lives. And yet God stands firm and have a heart after God like David. And that's the key. Mm -hmm. What does Christian hope look like to you? How would you explain it to somebody who knows nothing of the faith? By the way, did you have any chance to witness to, to people who re recuperated? Absolutely we did. And, and we've, we've got a great story of, um, so we have this instrument. It's called a, a Lepsky knife. It's a big metal blade and we use it with a hammer and we use it to open your chest with and cut through the big sternum or breastbone oh, there. Beautiful. <laughs> and um, we use that. So if you've been injured, you've been shot through the chest or fragments through the chest, we need to get at your heart because your heart's bleeding. We need to get there quickly and we need this instrument. So I knew going in, this instrument wasn't there. And I was struggling. How are we going to crack a chest? How are we going to get in there and, and, and get in there quickly? So one of the other surgeons who came with me, uh, I met him the day I arrived. He was from the U.S. His name is Mark. And he'd been getting, we'd all brought a few items with us, and he had been online trying to get a few items. And so he had ordered these things off online, and when he was checking out, on the bottom of the online screen, it said, some other items you may like. And one of them was a Lepsky knife. So he clicked, yes, for $7.80, I think it was US. He got a Lepsky knife. <laughs> And uh, then he clicked checkout, and it was going to be delivered, but the delivery date was going to be after he was leaving for Iraq. So he calls up these guys and says, look, I'm going with Samaritan's Purse to Mosul, Iraq. I have to have this stuff. And the guy on the other end said, oh, he says, I'll just courier it to you. So it shows up in less than 24 hours. Mark brings the Levski knife with him. We're there on second day we're there. In comes this gentleman who had been a subject of a drone attack and he had fragments through his chest, trying very hard to die. We crack his chest and emerge in our trauma bay in the field hospital. And there's a hole in the heart. We stitch up the hole. The guy survives, and he becomes and he accepts God and becomes Christian. And all because of this Lepsky knife and how God put so many things together there. 
We didn't actually have a hammer that time to use, so we had to use a handle of a laryngoscope. And But afterwards, we got a uh, utility hammer, and we packaged it with it so we could sterilize it all together. But, um, yeah, that how much more can you see God at work? What do you recall in that story, uh, in the conversation that you had with the, the gentleman? How did you bridge the conversation you know, talking about Jesus Christ and the work that you did on him. To, I mean, t- tell us how did how did you well, get to converse? Well, it, well, it was well. We did this through translators, okay. and, and mostly this was done with our uh, the the, pa- the local pastoral staff who who spoke, okay. um, who could converse with them in their language, and um, but he could see the love of us and the caring, and this was amazing. Why these people from the West would come and care for them. They were amazed at this. And we heard this over and over, how they were so amazed that we came and cared. And they ha- they've had nothing. We had a, another local, tr- part of what we were doing was also training the local surgeons and helping them get up to speed. And we had one whose family had been held at gunpoint for two years. So he would operate on the enemy combatants. And uh, another man who's missing body parts as he was tortured. And uh, these were their own people. But yet we came and we offered love and care and hope for the future. When you hear news now about Mosul, what happens within your own heart and soul? You know, every night we were there, we, the bombs were going off every night. All night long, uh, it was the bombing. Every night. And uh, we could hear it and sometimes see the tracer fire through the air. And um, sniper fire, we had children... I had a four-year-old and an eight-year-old shot with, you know, 50 cal bullets that I took out of them. And amazing they survived. And uh, when I hear this, I, I, it brings back these memories. And, and these are, not, for me personally, these are not bad memories. They, these are, are good memories of, of a time when we were able to go in and do this. But at the same time, it brings back such sorrow and concern for these innocent victims of this war. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we are insulated from it. We see so much on the TV, uh, but we don't really see the graphics of what really went on. One other thing we did there is we prayed over every one of our patients. We prayed for the Holy Spirit for healing. And, and a lot of these patients we had to go back in on and do what we call second-look laparotomies. And I can tell you, we were just amazed at the healing that had taken place and how much more quickly the wounds seemed to heal. And one young man stands out in particular. He was a Iraqi special forces. He'd been shot right through the belly, uh, major injury. And within four days, he was up eating. Everything was working. He wanted to go back and rejoin his unit. Now, could he have done that? No, but, but the, his recovery was so much quicker than what we would see here and the wounds healing. It was just amazing to see. And we could only explain that by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. The other thing that was pretty amazing for me was I got to do this with my daughter. My daughter is an ICU nurse who works in Red Deer, and uh, she got we got to get we got to go together. We got to get to go together, and um, it was pretty amazing being there for three weeks with her and uh, living this experience uh, in a war zone with my daughter. That was pretty cool. Did you do any operations? Did you save any lives from the other side, the enemy side? You know, we had a whole area that was called enemy our enemy combatant unit. And basically, they were mostly unknowns, uh, so we weren't sure what they were. Many of them were probably civilians, but if they were males in the uh, of fighting age, they were considered en- enemy combatants until proven otherwise. I don't think there's any doubt. We probably did look after some enemy combatants, or certainly uh, p- 
people who were friendly to the cause. But you know, there's been a saying that goes back probably from about 300 AD, and I can't remember the origin. It said, kill them all. And I think military sources have used this over the years of kill them all and let God sort them out. Well, I went with the attitude of, I'm going to save them all and let God sort them out. You know, Dr. Jeff, the Bible talks about us having hope in terms of eternal hope, eternal life through Jesus Christ. How does one find that hope? You know, there's a couple of little things that I remember when I was when I was in uh, Mosul, and uh, one that was the land of Jonah, and and the hope that was there, and and uh, hope for the Ninevites, and and these were uh, terrible people, and much like the enemy combatants there today are, and and yet they are still God's people, and there was still such hope for them, and yet there was hope for Jonah, and you know Jonah was pretty ticked off at God about all this, and he took off in the hill, and we could see this hill in the distance. We thought that was the hill where Jonah went, and and God raised the plant up and took it away, and, and Jonah still learned that there was hope in God, that, that God was there for everybody, even the Ninevites. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are, God cares for you, and God loves you, and God will look after people. And, you know, we hear, you know, how can God have let all this evil happen? Well, as we know, this is this wasn't God's plan. There is a different plan. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we get to be a part of that. And you know, there's a couple of little things I, I remembered from growing up. One was the meaning of joy, J-O-Y. Putting Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And we take that selfless approach to life as a whole. It does bring joy. It does bring meaning. But it's not empty meaning. It's, it's based on promises that we learn in the Bible, that there is hope for us in the future. And, and one other little thing I remember, too, was singing this little song, "Cross, Lord, send me, here am I, send me, across the street or across the sea, here am I, oh, Lord, send me. I never thought I'd be going off to Mosul as a missionary. But just to be open to God's plan and God's, God has a plan. Be open to that in your life, and there is hope, hope for you, and there's hope for others. Dr. Jeff Way, thank you so much for sharing your story of hope with us here today on The Light. Well, thank you for having me. It was good to be here. Thank you for listening to Stories of Hope on AM 700 The Light. Share your story with us. Stories of Hope at hope150.ca.